0: I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to hear a piece about long term survivorship and what it means to learn to live in a body scarred by breast cancer. I want to say upfront that this episode will contain some salty adult language. Sometimes with cancer, you just have to swear. So if you have little ears nearby, you might want to save this episode till you're alone or pop in those earbuds. We've talked about this before on the podcast, but it bears repeating, and I'll probably talk about it a lot, to be honest. Some of the hardest aspects of being diagnosed with breast cancer come long after the final drip of chemo, the final stitch by the surgeon, or the final zap of radiation. When I was first diagnosed with breast cancer, my oncologist laid out a treatment plan for me that spanned 13 months. I was in disbelief that day when he said he hoped to have me done with treatment by the following Easter. It was March. Sorry, what? I remember thinking, a year of dealing with this? I'd never faced a major illness before in my life, and certainly nothing that took a year to fight. I was fortunate, and my body tolerated the treatment plan, and he was right. The following April in 2013, I was released from treatment. I had endured six months of chemo, a unilateral mastectomy with aesthetic flat closure, 35 rounds of radiation, and a full year of immunotherapy. I thought the hard part was behind me when I was declared to have no evidence of disease in my body. What I had no idea was that that was just the beginning of the hardest chapter, the beginning of learning to live in and trust my body again. The day I ended active treatment, I felt as though my oncology team had pushed me out of an airplane without a parachute. I felt scared and lost. I didn't know how to live in the world anymore, how to live in my body anymore, after 13 months of learning to hand it over to my medical team the full trauma of what I had just endured came crashing down on me. All around me, friends and family celebrated the end of my treatment, my, quote, return to normal. But inside, I was shutting down. While breast cancer is a physical illness, the effects on our mental health are profound and need to be talked about more, as do the long-term effects of needing to take back ownership of a body. My guest today is Dana Donofrey. Dana knows all too well what I'm talking about. More than 10 years ago now, Dana was diagnosed at 27 with stage 1 HER2-positive invasive ductal breast cancer. For Dana, that represents more than a decade now of walking around with treatment side effects, both the physical ones as well as the mental ones. In that time, Dana has created a business to help others address the difficulties she faced. Dana is the founder of the brand Anna Ono Intimates, based in Pennsylvania.
1: Welcome to The Burn, Dana. Thank you so much. That was beautiful.
0: Thank you. I'm so excited to have you here reading your story. So you are going to be reading a piece that you wrote for Wildfire magazine's 2020 body issue. And this was an issue that we, and I do mean we, because you joined me on this issue as our guest editor, we explored all things related to the body after a diagnosis, from surgical decisions affecting the breast, to full body medical menopause effects on intimacy, to the absolute trauma that is walking around in a body that is both miraculous for all it can endure and all it can heal, but also scary as fuck, right? When the cells go rogue. 100%. (laughs) So Dana, you're reading a piece you wrote called 10 Years Learning to Love a New Body. I feel this is a really good story about looking back on a decade of survivorship. And I am excited to talk to you about that after you read. I think you are asking in this piece, you know, can I find long-term peace in this body? And I think that's a question a lot of people are asking. So very excited to have you here
1: to read that. So with that, I will turn the mic over to you. Thank you, April. This is 10 years learning to love a new body. The year is 2010 and I am 27. Could that lump I just felt in the shower really be breast cancer? It didn't cross my mind, not once. Why I picked up the phone later in the week to call my doctor to schedule an appointment still has me shocked today. I'm not sure I will ever had made that call if it weren't for my little sister and my best friend telling me that they had lumps in their breasts recently checked out. I'd never met somebody younger than my mother with breast cancer. Young women don't get breast cancer, not in 2010. I was told my exact diagnosis The markers and the age were only 0.01% of those that were diagnosed annually. We all love those stats. As we know, young women actually do get breast cancer. Oddly, I was sorting through old paperwork this past weekend and found the cancer folder. The reminder of the markers, the shitty Onca type results, the tumor size, the aggressiveness, the MRI results, the CT scan, the surgery intake forms my living will, all in that burgundy, Rocky Mountain Cancer Center folder. 10 years have gone by, and I don't ever remember opening that folder, reliving those days and being reminded just how lucky I am to be here today. 10 years in a body that hasn't felt like mine. I don't think, actually, I know, I was not prepared for cancer. Looking back, no one prepared me for what was ahead. The very few women I did meet, many decades older than me, never told me the actual truth. Everyone wanted to make things sound like they would be okay, like I would be fine, like everything would work out. They lied. They all lied. Cancer is emotional and physical. I figured it would be, but not nearly to the extent I have endured for the last 10 years. Why didn't anyone just tell me the truth? The simple truth that once cancer happens, it has and always will happen. Why not tell me about what a mastectomy really was like? What living without nipples would do to my sex life, my identity and sexuality, or how the lack of hormones would not only leave me feeling like an even lesser of a woman, but actually cause pain physically, mentally, and emotionally. Where were those stories? Why weren't these stories mentioned? 10 years. Over these years, I have made it a point to speak up, share, and shine a light on these questions. I didn't want to nor expect to change the landscape for young women with breast cancer when I was diagnosed. I was alone, I was scared, and I had nowhere to turn. I knew it wasn't right, but for these reasons, I put everything I had into launching what is now called Anna Ono. Sometimes I laugh because Anna Ono, since the inception, has been sort of my alter ego in a way. She's not afraid to talk about the things she fears most. She's not afraid to show her scars. She's not afraid to open the door to new conversation, no matter how uncomfortable, taboo, or crazy they may sound. She is feminine. She is sexy. She is strong. She's empowered. She is beautiful. She is intelligent. She is all of the things I so desperately wanted and needed to feel, but didn't. Instead, I felt 10 years of pure, utter evil and anger. I've hated my body for a long time. I've been angry with my body. I have no respect for my body. I have hurt it. I have beat it. I have disrespected it every single day for 10 years. This body I live in is foreign. It is a project of science and a life I never expected to live. I say this because we don't all have to pretend we are happy or in love with our physical self. But there are things I never stopped loving my mind, my energy, my soul, and my spirit. So today, I look forward to getting the chance at the next 10 years, where every day I try my best to learn to love my body. I will love the scars that are now masked with a beautiful mastectomy tattoo. I will love the curves that menopause twice and perimenopause have given me. I will respect the scars that fed me drugs since they were very well may be the reason why I'm still here today. I will challenge my muscles that began to give out at the end of treatment. I will honor my mind that has made me wiser beyond my years and provided guidance in even the worst of times because it has also seen death. Our bodies are temples. They may have failed us. They may anger us. We may disrespect them. Our bodies may have a ding or two on them. They may have a beautiful tag from a beautiful artist. They may not have had a manicured lawn or be positioned in the most gorgeous landscape you can imagine, but for some reason, when you step back and look at that temple, it is still yours and you do with it as you must. I am no longer angry. I am still mad. Don't get me wrong. But I am learning my way of loving this body of mine, giving it the chance it deserves, and using it in every way possible to make sure that no person diagnosed with breast cancer feels afraid, scared or incomplete because we are not alone. Together, we are actually never alone. Mm, Dana, thank
0: you so much for that. That was so powerful and beautiful. All right, you and I are gonna take a quick break here. We'll hear a little testimonial and then I wanna dig into your story and chat a little bit. Hi. I'm Jacqueline, and I was diagnosed with invasive ductal carcinoma breast cancer at age 33. I went through chemo, a lumpectomy, and radiation. I've enjoyed so much being a part of the writing groups with April and fellow breast cancer survivors and thrivers and have been able to process a lot of hard things that have happened along the way and also just been able to laugh and have fun and improve my writing in the group. I'm really looking forward to hearing April's podcast and continuing to enjoy the community of people that she brings together. All right. Thank you so much for the love, Jacqueline. Welcome back, everyone. Before the break, we heard a wonderful piece of powerful writing by my guest today, Dana. Dana, thank you again for sharing. I want to start by asking you what that was like for you to read. It's been over 18 months now since you wrote that piece. And Writing is one thing. Reading a story aloud is a whole nother thing. So can you tell me kind of what that experience was like for you revisiting this place that you've you've almost moved two years from and you know how it's landing with you today, what's similar, what's different. Where are
1: we today? I'm actually like quite emotional. (laughs) Yeah. About it. I uh I haven't read that piece since I wrote it. And um, and in some ways, uh, certain parts of me have healed since even writing that piece. I think writing that piece in its own right was also a healing um, path for me. I, I, I don't write often enough and I don't journal and I don't do all of these things that everybody tells me I should do. So often when I dig back into these feelings and these emotions, it's it's quite deep. But I think this especially was just that reminder of like, I'm in a position now, I'll have 12 years in, in February, if if all goes well. And um, I'm still a- adapting <laughs> and trying to figure out how do I move forward. And some things have, you know, gotten better now that I've been off my treatment. This I wrote this piece right when I had gotten off of my treatment. Um, I had taken myself off of my meds. And 18 to 20 months later is where I'm explaining to people I'm finally coming back into my body. And rereading this piece reminds me of just how much work it is to survive. And I think in many ways we try to positively reflect on the things that we are going through when at the end of the day, the things that we are going through are super shitty. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. We should say that.
0: Yes, exactly. Well, and you're reminding me too, that there's a difference between surviving and, and actually living, you know, a life. And sometimes you don't know that you're just going through the motions of survival until a little bit more time has passed. Um, and that's kind of what I'm hearing from you. It's like peeling that onion. 100%. Yeah. 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 So I want to talk about something that you brought up in your story that I absolutely love, which is this idea of an alter ego. You talked about this um, being on a ono for you. And I know that this is, um, for a lot of people, a place where they find safety in writing their stories and expressing their stories. And it allows them to uncover other parts of themselves. Um, So when you started... um, you know, this work of creating your brand and doing the work of, of having a business in breast cancer, did you realize that you would also be giving yourself this alter ego and, um, and how does she show up for you nowadays? Or, or is Dana and Ana Ono blended now?
1: Oh, wow. April, such a great question. Um, I really enjoyed Ana Ono being my alter ego. I think that Uh, the woman I was designing for was, was not me. Um, And in some ways I don't think I gave myself the allowance to be her either. Um, And that's like also sort of deeply rooted in being a designer anyways. I mean, I've been a fashion designer for my entire life. I, I really don't know anything else to do except for how to make clothing and to design clothing. And it is my love and it is my passion but you know, you can see people like Donatella Versace, right? She is designing for herself. And then you have you know Donna Karen and we have all of these great, great leaders. But then you know, you have somebody like Tom Ford designing women's clothing, right? So so there's just like this like designer mentality too of like who do you want to dress? And I think the reason why, she became my alter ego is because I so desperately wanted to feel these things. I so desperately wanted to feel sexy in lingerie. I so desperately wanted to feel feminine. I wanted to be looked at. I wanted to be intimate. I wanted to be all of these things that I could not be. And so I was always manifesting this woman that was stronger than me, that was going to be able to look at these scars in the mirror when I could not look at myself in the mirror. Like I was imagining this woman that was getting through this and just like on the coasting train, you know, (laughs) just like, I figured she had to be out there. And I was just too young and too naive to realize that, that, that she wasn't right. Like that's really, really a hard place to get to. And as Ana Ono was created as this alter ego, it gave me my moment to escape. It gave me my own personal opportunity to heal through something that I was creating. And I think that I'm so very, very fortunate that I got to have that experience. And now as, as Ana Ono grows, as my business grows, as I reach, um, new communities, understanding others' needs, whether it's gender affirmation surgeries or, um, um, you know, women that might be going and and getting, you know, their breasts lifted or reduced after having multiple babies and their husbands are beating them and they're going through these awful body dysmorphia like moments. And it's just like we harbor like so much pain and hurt in ourselves. And I know that because of my cancer journey and what I've been through as a human. But it's not to say that it's not like that for other people dealing with other traumatic things in their lives. And so, ten years ago, when I created Ana Ono alongside my diagnoses, and it was it was building and growing with me. Like I, I laugh all the time because I say when when I, when Dana was angry, Ana Ono was angry. When <laughs> Dana was pissed off, Ana Ono was equally as pissed off. And I won't say that. Those things are separating because they are still very much entwined, but the business matures with my own maturity in a certain kind of a way and my own experience and my own opportunities. So is it still my alter ego? Like, yes, in many ways it is, but she's also kind of, um, You know, I don't have children uh, because of my diagnosis at 27, but I can imagine this is like when your kids are going off to college and they've got to, they've got to evolve and like turn out to be their own thing. Like that's also happening to my business. And it's, it's very interesting to get to share in those moments and look back to seven years ago when I'm like, Oh my God, that was like the best campaign we ever did. And it like changed the landscape and it changed the conversation and that's what it's supposed to do. And, uh, you know, sometimes I miss her, right? Sometimes I miss being able to, to, to do those things in that way. But in the reality, you know, we're helping, you know, hundreds of 1000s of people around the world. and, And I'm very grateful and fortunate for that, too. So it's, uh, it's complicated. That's a really good question. It's so complicated. It's so complicated. Well, and I, what
0: I love about it, though, is it allowed you to find that truth-telling entity that was so lacking and what you needed so much. And it, and it allowed you to step into that role when maybe it scared the bejeebies out of you and you didn't feel you know, that you could be that person, you know, that I think is such a hard part. And I can relate to that a lot where it's like, I'm creating the resource that I wish I had. Like, how am I, how am I able to do that? Like, how am I supposed to be giving answers when I just have questions, you know? But Mm -hmm. when you created this alter ego, it allowed you to step into that role. And I love that example today because I think a lot of people need that in their own advocacy, that little nudge that they can be, you know, Sasha Fierce to Beyonce, right? Like you can Mm -hmm. be her. You don't need to be finding her somewhere else. You can step into it and embody it. So that brings me to my my next question for you. I mean, you are obviously this big, big change maker in the breast cancer world. I truly feel that. And I am so thankful for you choosing to stay in cancer land. And I think we, um, those of us who are diagnosed early stage, have a little bit of a, a choice. You know, if we are going to try to put cancer in the rear view or try to stay and make it a better place for others who are coming up behind us and you have decided to stay here and we're so grateful for that. So you talked about this already a little bit, but I'm just curious like what what does that advocacy look like for you today? Like what is what is firing you up right now? Oh. <laughs>
1: Well, I appreciate you saying so many of those words because I think something I never necessarily expected was that I, that I would even be an advocate or an activist. I didn't even realize that that's what was happening to me as I, as I was going through this myself. And and somebody once told me they said it sounds more like a calling, and I do lean into that because it I, I can't imagine my life without this world and this community, and that is a choice. Um you can try to hide things in the shadows and and put them behind you, but you know, it will always rear its ugly head some way some shape somehow and and you have to do what's what's best for you both emotionally and mentally. I think that what fires me up today is that I do have this honor to have spent more than 10 years as a cancer patient in a world that wasn't quite existing even when I was diagnosed, I mean the reason why I never met another young person is because like we didn't have social media outlets, we didn't have online meetup groups and digital opportunities. Like if you didn't meet somebody face to face, you weren't meeting them. Like it was pen pal era, you know, and it's kind of crazy to say it was just twelve years ago. But I think what is interesting and what is firing me up now is that I've gotten to be an observer for the last 12 years in this space. And sadly and unfortunately, not that much has actually changed. And in history itself and in society itself, everything starts becoming very cyclical and and there's cycles and there's highs and there's lows in these cycles. And I think what I'm mostly so frustrated about is that, and it's a new era. And I, I, I love new advocates and new voices coming into this space, but being very reactive in the moment and not realizing where things have come or are, are need to go, but just being reactive. And I think that that's something that we're kind of all losing as a society, anyways. But the reality here is, is that we are not changing the landscape of breast cancer and we haven't been for multiple, multiple decades. And we have to change the landscape because we are still dying at the same rates we've been dying since chemotherapy was introduced as a treatment option. And that's not okay. That's not okay to take 30, 40, 50 years of data and say that we're winning this fight when we aren't because the last time the numbers have indexed any change was in the last 30 to 40 years after chemotherapy was introduced in, I think, like 1975 or something. So it just, to me, it's we're, we're not advocating for the right things right now. And it's a really, that, that's really, really hard for me because I understand what it feels like to be newly diagnosed and pissed off. And I'm trying to lean into that feeling. But we have to be changing the conversation and the, ha- the conversation has to go to life and death. Mm-hmm. I agree. It doesn't matter about surgeries. It doesn't matter if you decide to keep your breasts or don't keep your breasts or if you're early stage or you're late stage or you're preventative. It is life and death, period. That is the most important conversation that we need to be having right now. And we're still not having it. And that mm-hmm. drives me nuts because there shouldn't be any dollars that are being spent and wasted if it's not going to help save somebody's life. And it just, I could talk for hours about it.
0: (laughs) Well, and I appreciate that. And, and I guess if you could summarize it in a sentence, how is a lingerie maker changing that? How are you changing that?
1: You have to have conversations that are very hard and not even typical to a world of business. I mean, we, as Ana Ono, as myself included, but, you know, even as Ana Ono has had many conversations about stage four research, breast cancer research, medicine development. um, And it's, all of our responsibility to put our energy behind that conversation. You know, medical advancements can mean a lot of things. As a lingerie manufacturer, what am I doing? I don't want to be in business. I want to shut down Ono Ono because we no longer have to amputate a body part in order to save a life. Yes. It seems very, very aggressive Mm -hmm. and and maybe medically unsound, (laughs) but we're still doing it. Right. So it's like, what, you know, as a lingerie manufacturer, I shouldn't even be here because we shouldn't even be treating breast cancer this way. But we still are because we don't have other options to save a life. And so that's, you know, whether I talk to plastic surgeons and I advocate to them to find better opportunities to help put the pieces back together, or I talk to a breast surgeon or an oncologist or a nurse or a researcher. It's like can we find a way to save lives without chopping off body parts? That would be a huge win because then we could all live a fuller life. Right. Without missing body parts. And then we can treat the cancer rather than just saying, "Let's chop off the tits." Yeah. Let's chop off the tits. Sometimes that might happen. Sometimes in many, many aggressive very like hard cases that could still be the only option for that patient, but it should not be the option. For everybody and until we get there until we understand the cancer which we can't without research we don't we, we can't make that advancement
0: yes yes thank you dana thank you for that i love that um, that you brought that to today's conversation thank you so tell us tell my listeners where they can find you
1: online Oh, well, uh, they can find Ana Ono at A-N-A-O-N-O dot com. You guys can follow us on the Instas and the Facebooks and the Twitters and everything at Ana Ono Intimates. Um, And then if you want to engage with my own personal advocacy, whether it be my breast cancer story or being a crazy lunatic that starts a business, which, April, I know you understand, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at D-A-Y-N-A-D-O-N-O and um, cheer me along from there.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Dana. So today's writer and guest was Dana Donofrey. Her piece was called 10 Years Learning to Love a New Body from the 2020 body issue of Wildfire magazine. Definitely check out that issue in our archives for more stories like Dana's. This issue has 30 contributors who got really raw and real. And we also have a beautiful coloring sheet in that issue by the exquisite Marianne Duquette Cuso. Thank you again. I'm April Stearns and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn's a production of Wildfire Magazine where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay till the end for a body-inspired writing prompt. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our more than 30 issues in the Wildfire Archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. Don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. Here's today's writing prompt. Often it can be really hard to know where to begin a hard story, such as a story about your relationship with your body. It's a story that spans all the chapters of your life and is as deeply complicated as it is personal. I like to use my senses to enter into difficult stories to pry open memories so that smell and taste and touch. A piece of clothing is so vivid in its colors, the texture of the fabric, the way it makes us feel when we wear it, what we see when we look in the mirror and what we hope others see or don't see when they look back at us. So today we're going to use clothing as a prompt, specifically a bra. The first step in this prompt is to create a list or a timeline of all the major bras in your life. Can you remember your first one? What about your favorites? Have you worn nursing bras? And then there's the post-mastectomy bras. Cause it was never just a bra, right? Set your timer for five minutes to begin and write a list of all the bras you can remember. Next, I want you to look back over your list and pick one bra to write about. Pick the one that holds a little emotional charge for you. Maybe it gives you an ache in the pit of your stomach, or maybe it's a happy little zing of some remembered mischief. Whatever it is, pick the one from your list that holds some energy around it. Set your timer for 10 minutes and tell the story behind the bra, why it sticks in your memory, why it's part of your story. Begin by describing it and go from there. Write without stopping, without editing, see what needs to come out. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.